And so now I would like to invite up to the stage with a great sense of honor and pride, our teacher and spiritual leader, Reverend Dr. Patrick Cameron. I tripped over the same thing on the first service. There's a pattern here. Good morning. I can't hear it. I'm like, what's going on? All those hugs tore it off my... Is that better? There we go. Something's not working. All right. One of my spiritual gifts. I can tell when I'm amplified or not. These poor teens, they got to listen to this whole talk all over again. (laughs) Anyway, it is our Teen Sunday. I want to thank all of our teen uh, facilitators. Sandra Gibbs, Dave Brown, Ken Chance. Where's that? uh, Who? Jamie. Yes, Jamie Anderson. And then Alicia Cloutier. And who? And Saskia. Yes, thank you. You know what? We need like one of those little things you could sit in and talk to me while I'm like at the opera, you know? <laughs> Guy in there with the lines. Wouldn't that be great? Like that. Okay, we just have to start digging a hole. Monday, I'm on it. Bringing my shovel. All right, so what I invite you to do, and I'm going to invite you to stay seated today for our uh, song. Because I would like to invite you to simply close your eyes where you are. I'd like you to uncross your legs if you have your legs crossed. Or your arms. So if you're sitting there like this. Stop. And allow your hands to rest on your top of your thighs or in your lap. And gently close your eyes. And as we come together for this song and prayer, what I'd like to invite myself as well as you to experience in this moment is just this moment. This is the only moment with which any of us have any influence over. And so let us each take a moment to think about something that we're grateful for. Something that you're grateful for this day. And it doesn't have to be something huge. It can be warm socks. What's important is is that it activates within you gratitude. Gratitude is the feeling tone of the third kingdom of consciousness. So when we struggle throughout the week, when we take a moment to simply find something we're grateful for in that moment... It shifts and changes us. And so with that, I invite you to sing this song in, in praise and in devotion to whatever it is you're grateful for. In this very room, there's quite enough love. For all the world 
And in this very room There's quite enough joy For all the world And there's quite enough love And quite enough power To walk through our every fear For spirit One spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very what I know in this moment and invite you to know with me is that there is one power, one presence, one infinite divine activity and that is the presence and the expression of God. And so as we come together today I know that we're reminded of this that this becomes a very real experience for us as we open ourselves to it that the presence of spirit is available here and now and as we, we, we push back anything that limits that experience in this moment with grace, with love, with appreciation because it is in the relaxation, it is in the gratitude, it is within the welcome that that becomes more and more available to us. That our way is made clearer, that we shift from our desires into living a life that is inspired. And so I give thanks this day for the exploration and the discussion around prosperity principles. What does prosperity mean? I give thanks for the articulation, the guidance. I give thanks for the musicians. I give thanks for the beautiful fingers, the talent, the devotion of Brown Anderson that brings each week to us such a, a, a gift of Anna Beaumont sharing her gift of song. Our teens being with us, they are the next generation with who we shall pass the baton of consciousness to. So let us do our work. Let us do our activity in this moment, in each moment hereafter that, that, that clears the way a bit more for those that come behind us as those that have gone before us have done. And to stand in the dignity and in the joy and the celebration of our our son and daughtership with the one life, the one presence, and the one power. I know that every good thing necessary for you and I to experience has been activated, welcomed, and invited into our being this day in a powerful, amazing, wonderful way. And it is about allowing. For this I give thanks. I release these words and invite you to say with me, and so it is. So it's just always interesting for me to come back, and, and especially after we've gotten, uh, if you haven't been with us for a while, we, we just returned with a group from, uh, to see John of God, which is a small village uh, about an hour and a half southwest of uh, Brasilia in Brazil, uh, it's, and the town is uh, Abajanya. And so we will, over a period of time, have more discussion around that, and we have some activities planned around that, and, and I'm going to share a bit of that story today with you. But I, I began this month, we're, we're beginning our pledge month. And we're, be, we're inviting people to step into, you know, a consistent pattern of, of giving, not from a sense of, of obligation or, or burden, but a, from a, a, 
but from a sense of inspiration. And, and so it's, it's been a wonderful opportunity for me because it's always very challenging for me to articulate. I think I honor this and articulate it in a way that sounds like an invitation and is speaking from inspiration rather than from need. And so I looked up the definition of prosperity, and, and uh, does anybody know the definition of prosperity? You guys can't say anything because you were here for the first service, but, but anybody else? You know what prosperity means, the word? Anybody interested in it besides me? Okay, throw a word out, anybody? Abundance. What did it do? somebody else say some what? More than enough. Yeah, what is, a, a prosperity is just simply doing well. If you go to the dictionary, it's doing well. So it's not about money, it's not about big, you know, big sacks of money, it's just about doing well. And so when we've taught Prosperity Plus, people always, you know, oh man, it's just, you know, it's about money. And it's like, well, but money's a part of doing well, you know. I mean, it's part of the exchange that we live in. But it's doing well. And so why, and, and so we come together, and, and for me, the, the money piece of it is always the most challenging because it's really sensitive. You know, people don't want to talk about money. I mean, my dad never mentioned money. Always struggled with it. Always, always, you know, it was just, it was ever, never enough, never enough. So I grew up in an environment where if I wanted to carry that legacy forward, if I was going to honor my dad, I'd have to keep moving forward with never enough. And finally, at some point in time, I realized it was not dishonoring my father by putting that idea down. It was, it was about doing well. I mean, that, is that too much to ask that we do well? That we have vibrant health in our lives, that we have enough resources so that we can do the things that we care about. I mean, the only reason to have uh, enough in our lives is so that we can do the things that we're called to do. And beyond that, it's excess. But for many of us, it's like, well, you know what? And so I want to get to have a discussion about that, and I'll weave that in in a moment. But what we, why we get together, this whole spiritual thing is quite an interesting thing, isn't it? Spirituality. Why do we do this? I mean, we come, I, I show up every week, you show up every week. Most of you do. I, in fact, I'm keeping attendance now, so I know who's showing up. <laughs> so I'll send you a report card at the end of the, next, at the end of 2014. If you think I'm capable of that, I have a tough time finding my way here sometimes, my own way. So, but the spiritual journey is a journey from our, how we present this, how Holmes talked about this, and how what I think are some of the most precious teachings on the planet are from the Upanishads, from the, uh, the Vedic tradition, from the Hindu tradition, uh, from the Buddhist tradition. Uh, uh, um, um, well, I've got it written down, but the, the Buddhist teachings. Uh, but all of it is a journey from duality to unity. It's a sep- the sense of separation that you and I may have with spirit from one another. And, 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 and then it's, it's having our life experiences and then we feel separated. We feel like for a variety of reasons and that drives most of our behavior. So the, our journey, our spiritual journey, why we gather, I believe, the journey is back to the pre-eternal oneness. So our nature is oneness. Our, our, the, the conditions of who and what we are, connection, are the, is that connection. And I think we sense that at a deep level. When we go to Abba Janya and experience John of God, what, we're, what we do is we step into an environment that I like to, to, to characterize as kingdom three experience, which is oneness, which is a lap of unconditional love. And it's, and it's such a different vibration that it's, it's exhausting when we step into it. And the, the scary part of it is we want to manage it. I mean, one of the things I think that appeals to our teaching is, well, you, you, know, you just believe. And if things aren't working out, you believe harder. And, and that's a very popular idea. 
Holmes said one of the problems with our teaching is that we have too many people affirming what they want and denying what they don't want. And that is a piece of what we teach, but it's not the end result. It's not the, it's not the ultimate. Oh, I know what I want and I know what I don't want. That's, just a, that's a preliminary step into expansion and awareness. But then it takes the courage to step into the mystery. So when you go to somewhere like Abhijani, you don't speak the language. You don't know what they're talking about most of the time when they're doing their prayers. And you're in this environment of, of this energetic where light is being, that these unseen forces of good are doing work on us at so many different levels. It's like, it's mystery. And it can be very troubling for people. But it's, it's held in such a beautiful environment. And when you come in and you, you know something powerful and wonderful is happening there. And I think that we tap into that here at times. My vision of what's possible, what I'm inspired is I know that what they're doing there, we can do here. And, 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 and can we complete that? And do I have enough lifetime years to complete that? I don't know, but I, th- I sure think it's worth exploring. I, th- I sure think it's worth moving in that direction. So the Sufis, and I love the Sufis, because we're Sufis. See, we are the Sufis. If you want to know how we fit into Christianity, we're the, we're the Sufis. We're the lovers of God. You know, you got the, you got the, the Pentecostals, and you got the, the Catholics, and the Christians, and the Lutherans, and the Protestants, the Presbyterians, the Methodists, and, and we support them all. Right? They all love Jesus. Well, we love Jesus too. We just love the Christ consciousness. And we're the lovers of God. We're the lovers of all of life. The Sufis, to the Sufis, this journey is a love affair that begins on the level of the soul and is brought into consciousness through the grace of the beloved. And so what it is, is about opening up to greater love. In the, in the, in the Torah, when Moses came down, remember were you there? I wasn't there, but I know some people were here. That when Moses came down with the tablets in your past life, and, and he had, uh, according to Mel Brooks, it was 15, but he dropped one, so he just went to 10. But, uh, but don't you love that scene in the, the, the History of the World Part 2? Uh, here's the 15, bang, the 10 commandments. What the heck? 10's enough. But the first commandment is, thou shall have no other gods before me. Thou shall have no other gods before me. There's one life, one power, one presence. That life is God's life. That life is my life now. Then Jesus came along a few thousand years later, and he said, they said, Master, what is the number one commandment? And Jesus said, love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. Mmm, man. Because have you seen some of my neighbors? Ooh. Because I can love God. I don't know about my neighbors. But anyway, that's what Jesus said. The most important commandment. And so, if, and what we teach is God is everywhere present. So there's no limit to where we can extend our love, especially to our neighbors, especially the ones that don't like us. Because he goes on in this, he says, love your enemies. Oh my gosh, no. Really? Because you know why. <sighs> They're just not holy enough for me to love them. But there's our challenge. The work in the co-creation, Lloyd and Marsha always say that our, our, our neighbors are the ones that tempt us not to love them, which is really where the rubber meets the road, where it's really wonderful. And so, you know, I got back and, and uh, we're, we're doing this thing and it takes a while to get your lamb legs back because there's just, you come out of this, this very intense and beautiful vortex of, of energy. And so there's a lot of sleep that goes on. You know, and plus they're five hours ahead. So Laura, you know, it'd be 7.30 at night. And Laura would stretch and say, well, I guess I'll go to bed now. And, 
And then, of course, she's up at 3 in the morning. So that pattern, we're, we're working our way out of that pattern. But all of that stuff coming back into the, to, to this plane of, of environment and the vibration of Edmonton and all that stuff, which is quite lovely because it doesn't diminish. It's just the incorporation. It's, it's adding it to what we're doing. And, and understanding that, that so what is, what is not in alignment with, with love is my opportunity to look at it and do my work around it. So Ernest Holmes, in this beautiful book, our founder, Living the Science of Mind, wrote this. It's on page 107. It's called, Why Talk So Much About God? Good question, Ernest. People never have ceased being interested in the nature of God. That's why we're here. People never cease being interested in the nature of God, and there's nothing that gives greater satisfaction than to believe in a supreme intelligence with which we may commune and the infinite power with which we may consciously deal. When we use the word God or spirit, we do not mean a tribal God, but the supreme mind and power back of all created form, the intelligence which responds to us, the intelligence which rises through the mineral, vegetable, and animal kingdoms and blossoms in the human mind as it approaches the conscious recognition that it is one, one with the oversoul. In other words, it's just another way of saying we're all connected. All of life is connected. Everything has a life to it, a life force to it. It all emanates from source. Whether it be a rock or a plant, an animal, you or I, it's all connected to, and he calls God here the oversoul. It would be impossible to discuss philosophy, science, or religion without continually referring to the nature of man's being, and the nature of man's being is God. Our nature is God. So there's something about us that, that gets stirred. We know this. We know that we have departed home. We've, 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 we've taken form and we're here and we all sense that. And so we search for that and we look for literature. We look for things that line up that give us a connection so that we can continue to practice dipping into that experience. And Holmes continues, we wish more than a blind acceptance of God. We need to know with scientific certainty that there is a consciousness and a power in the universe that responds to us. It's not only just this blind faith. For some that works, but I think there's always that stirring within us that we want proof of it. Prove this now. We want it to know that it responds to us with scientific certainty. It responds to us definitely, directly, and dynamically. Definitely, directly, and dynamically. Each individual must arrive at a place in his own consciousness where this contact is so immediate and so dynamic that if every other living soul denied it, they would still know. I mean, that's faith. Without this inner conviction, neither faith nor understanding is possible. See, this is the conviction to, to arrive at. It's why we come together. It's why we practice. It's why we have spiritual practice. It's why some of us are, were called to go to John of God for a variety of reasons. But, the, but that environment is so rich with nothing other than the presence of spirit as, as filtered through that environment of consciousness that it becomes very apparent that there's more to life than, than what I can think and feel and taste and, and see and more than, than my con concepts of God. Because what happens is that it, it pushes out the box of my belief system and it reinforces for me I'm never alone. And every thought, I, every thought I entertain, every thought I give energy to expands in my experience. 
And so it's my opportunity to be aware enough at, at all times to catch myself when I'm moving in a direction that doesn't align myself with what the ideal is I long to experience. And that's really challenging. Because as I said earlier, it's hard to love your neighbors when they're doing stuff. Holmes continues, the inner consciousness of our union with good, which is another word for God, is supreme. The inner consciousness of our union with good is supreme. Not only is it the highest hope and inspiration of the human mind, but it has, it has ever been its greatest realization. And so the more often that we can dip into, that's why I invited you to close your eyes. That's why I invited you to relax, stay seated. Let's not make this song about another thing that we have to do. But what we stand for as a spiritual community is bringing ourselves back to the connection with spirit. And I think that that is prevalent in all traditions at, the, at, at different uh, levels. And so, but sometimes the traditions and sometimes the messengers don't emphasize that. It becomes more about uh, different things that in many, time, many ways I think become a boondoggle, which is activity for the sake of activity. Because at the end of the day, for me, what really matters is that I'm in, I'm in higher and higher and deeper relationship with the God of my being. And so, this is why I think we gather, to be reminded of this. So we went to uh, Abhijanya. We took 22 people from our center. There were 36 people on the tour with us. And as we were there, there's a variety of different things. There's a variety of different things that you're asked to participate in, one of them being a thing called a crystal bed. And a crystal bed was designed by John of God over a period of time, and it helps assist people in balancing the, the body's energy. And so what it is, is it, it's a, it could be any bed. You don't buy a bed, but you, you can have a, anything, a, a massage table, a chiropractor table, a twin bed, something that is elevated that you lay on, and then there's a series of seven lights that you lay under. And all the crystals have been cut in a certain way by the direction of the entities of light so that they enhance the balancing of the body's energies. And I saw it, know it may sound a bit woo-woo, but it's, it's quite powerful. And I've, I've done it a number of times. Every time I go, I've done a, a, a number of crystal beds. And I've always had very profound experiences. So we're there, and, and our group really started to get a lot of value and impact from crystal beds. They knew that something was happening at a very cellular level. And so the idea was floated up, let's buy a crystal bed and take it back to the center. We'll share this with everyone. And, and right away, I'm thinking, oh, God, and I'm the guy that's got to explain this to everybody, too, you know. Because I've said a million times, we don't sell crystals around here. You know, there's no power in the crystal but the, the belief that we have. So that has is, that is morphed a bit for me. And I'm still trying to figure out how to explain that. But I can tell you that it was a powerful and amazing experience. But I want to tell you about the miracle that happened. So we floated the idea up, and we, all, we had the advantage of having a member of our financial, uh, we have a finance committee here that looks at finances every month. There's about four or five people involved with that. Because we want to track well, we want to know where we are with our budget. And then, and then we had uh, members of our board of trustees with us. And so we floated the idea up, we all got excited about it, and then we realized, well, number one, we are not authorized without board approval to spend that kind of money, because a crystal bed is $6,000. And then we realized that because of the condition of our budget right now, which is not tracking as we had planned, it would be, it would be not good stewardship to purchase a crystal bed. So we went back to the group because that after every meal we have a short meeting and we'd explain. And I, I said, well, we've made a decision not to do this simply because economically it's not good stewardship and it, wouldn't, it does not support the highest needs of the community. 
And so people were like, oh, okay, and you know, not much was said other than we're not doing it. Well, I'll tell you, we went with 22 members of the community, and there were people outside our community that joined us, and we didn't know them, they didn't know us. And at a lunch, one of the members of our board said this, this, these people would like to meet with us. And we, I went over and we sat down and they said, we love your community. We'd love to have this, a community like this in our, in our town. Is there one? And I said, no, there isn't. I mean, they had no idea that we exist. Isn't it great that we can keep a movement and a teaching like this so secret? I said, tell no one. Because we sure wouldn't want anybody else coming in the doors and wrecking our fun. I say that facetiously, but it's almost like, you know, where do, do you go to a church? Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, no. Well, I heard you went to the Center for Spiritual Living. No, no, no. I wouldn't do that. No, no. I've never been in there. No, no, no. no. I'm a Catholic. I'm a Catholic, you know. Okay. So anyway, but they, they saw who we were. We just showed up. We weren't there to impress. We were being who we were. We were, you know, doing our, what we do. And they said, we want your community to have a crystal bed. And they had already purchased one to take back to their community, and I will reveal their names after 40-day protocol is over. And so they said, we'd each like to, there were two in the meeting, they said, we'd each like to donate $1,000 towards your crystal bed. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is quite sweet. And then uh, along with that, almost right, uh, right on top of it, another person came up and gave me $500 U.S. cash towards a crystal bed. So I went back to the next meeting and said, well, I'll let you know that right now we've decided not to buy the crystal bed, but, but people have donated from outside our community $2,500. And so Heather Cumming, who was our host and our, our guide, and she is John of God's interpreter, speaks fluent Portuguese as well as a beautiful English, uh, beautiful Scottish uh, accent, uh, looked at, uh, at Laura as we were talking about this, and Heather said, well, you have six more days. And so within six days, we raised more than enough money to bring a crystal bed back. Yeah. Thank you. So what I want to share with you is that, for me, that was quite beautiful. That was quite lovely that people saw who we were, what we stood for. And part of it was, too, that I had the opportunity to, to say prayers. I was invited to say a few prayers. And they, they listened to the prayers. They saw how we do our, our form of worship. And they were so touched and moved by what we represented as a group that it inspired, they were inspired to support something that they, they knew would be of benefit to us. And for me, that was, that was better than bringing the crystal bed back for me. You know, over the last... Uh, Several days, there's been a lot of things on television about uh, John Kennedy and his assassination. I was 10 years old when he died. And uh, in watching his speeches, and, and he had his issues, and we know his history and all the things, but he was a man that I, I believe uh, was such an eloquent uh, orator and had such a, an amazing vision that he spoke to from inspiration. Some of the greatest political speeches that have ever been addressed on this planet have come from that man. And, and our journey, as I said, our journey is not just simply understanding what we want and affirming it and, and pushing away what we don't want. That's part of the journey. And so in watching, watching the, the clips, and Laura and I have watched several of them over the last several days, 
Uh, and it's a beautiful story. And his legacy lives on. I, I received an article from Lloyd Strom and Marcia Sutton around what I think is what, what, what touched me so deeply in watching this. And, and Lloyd wrote this. He's a beautiful man. He's been a recluse for the last 20 years doing work with the work of Ernest Holmes to bring insight and depth to it. And he wrote this. I want to share these ideas with you because I think it represents what, what I, I think we're about, about and what's important. And he talked about desire. He said, desire points to an important metaphysical principle that has created a lot of spiritual confusion for ages. Because we're brought in here, I was told, you know, offer up your suffering for the poor, poor souls in purgatory. That's how I was raised. So my desire didn't matter. And when I found religious science and, and Holmes said we had this divine discontent, a longing. And it was honored and it was to be followed. I thought, oh my gosh, wow, this makes so much sense. It seems so healthy to me because I kept pushing it down and pushing it down and felt victimized. So he continues, Dr. Lloyd continues, desire is the near enemy of inspiration. Desire is the near enemy of inspiration. Because these two internal activities of consciousness seem very similar in many ways. Yet a reliance on desire can actually inhibit the development of inspiration. The, the reliance on desire can, can inhibit the, the development of inspiration. The key to understanding the distinction between the two lies in the evolution of consciousness as revealed in the kingdoms of consciousness. To begin with, desire is the evolutionary force that involves us, evolves us from kingdom one, victim consciousness, everything is done to us, to kingdom two, manifestation. Pushing, having enough courage to push down the fear so we can take charge of our lives and start moving in the direction that we desire. It's this kingdom two is, is the highest state of kingdom two is self-actualization, which is the fulfilling of our human potential by achieving our goals in life. But, but it is the, the, the fulfilling of our human potential by achieving our goals in life. I started out talking to you today, prosperity is doing well. I, have come, I came home in a wonderful experience and, and so... Um, we, we're doing our, um, our, our pledge program, intentional giving, and we've done a lot of strategizing. I go to, and we're about, we're about $50,000 behind this year's budget. We're not, we're not in, a, in debt that much, but we, we missed our budget by about $50,000. What's happened, and I'll, I'll let you know, what's happened is our, Sunday, our, our basket contributions has gone way down this year for some reason. Because people just aren't able to do it or whatever. And I don't talk about it a lot. I, go to, I do a lot of prayer work around it. So I come home and We've got uh, six old furnaces here. They're each about $4,000 to fix. Four to five, actually, by the time we... Uh, so about $30,000 in furnaces. And this week, one of the furnaces went down. And I called the plumber, and he came in, and he worked all day on it. And after $800, he said, there you go, it's working again. And he went out the door, and I went down to the solarium, turned on the thermostat, still no heat. So I called him back. I, I certainly had the bill for $800, and I called him back. I said, we still don't have any heat. So well, we'll have to come back tomorrow. And I get it, because a lot of people are, are struggling with you know, furnaces and heat throughout the cold months. And he came back the next day, got it working. But I got to tell you, when I was dealing with the furnace and looking at, and we don't have a projector on today because that's died as well. My tendency is always to take this stuff on personally. And, 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 and what I realized, we all, we all have bills in our lives. We all have things to pay. But... I see a facility that works at many levels for us. We're looking at a, we have a, a strategic planning committee around that right now, floating ideas up. But when I sit with the committee and they say, there's no way that we can even move in that direction based on the support that we have here, I have to agree with them. But I also realize what stirs in me is I'm inspired by a vision of possibility. 
And what I got in Abhijande when I was sitting with Laura Gwen, because she had a, she's our, one of our guides, and she had a beautiful church in Connecticut that she closed down to do this work and take people to John of God. She said, I got to the point in my community where I realized I was holding a vision that others weren't. And it was wearing me out. And when she said that, I just started to cry. Because I thought, you know, isn't this interesting? So what I know about this is this great learning for me. What must I shift and change so that, that I don't feel like I'm standing here alone saying, we have this beautiful thing. We have a thing here that, that's transforming lives. I wouldn't be with you today without this teaching. And, to, I want, and I don't want to just fulfill my desires, but I know that's part of it. But what I want to do is stand with you in inspiration and say, we believe in a world that works for everyone. We believe in the distribution of resources in a way that allows everyone to thrive. That every one of these young people has an opportunity and access to education. I think education should be free for every young person in every country on the planet. Because we sure got enough money. I'm from the U.S. I'm a dual citizen. They sure got enough money to fight wars. I better, I better be careful. They're, they're filming this today. So. But, but it's all about choices and it's about priorities. And so I stood there and, and we got the furnace fixed one more time. These furnaces, they go back and forth each year to which one we're going to fix. $800 later. And then I'm, I'm in the worry and anxiety. I'm in victim consciousness praying we get to spring. So I go home and I got to do all my forgiveness work around that and put the energy of that down. And I just thought, this is not prosperity. This does not reflect to me doing well. I think that, I think, I said it last week before I left, I, my vision for our community is that we are so funded, we are funded fully by our committed giving. We're not, but that's my vision. And I'm not gonna, and I'm not gonna, uh, what I, and what I need to do is just release my grasp on it because that's my desire. And I don't want to speak to it from desire anymore. I want to speak to it from inspiration. My prayers, I got three prayers and requests when I went before the entities. And I, my, first, my first prayer was I want my soul's, my soul's agreement to be fulfilled in this lifetime. In other words, I want to do enough healing work that I'm not, I'm not forced to have to relearn anything. That I'm open and available to be teachable and permeable so that I can move forward with my consciousness and be part of the solution rather than part of the problem. Number two, I want to be so well... I want to do stewardship in my life so well financially that, I don't, that, that, that economics is not a driver. And whatever, however that shows up, but I want to do it well and I want to do it in alignment with what my core values are, that no one is hurt, no one is harmed, and what, what is supported is supported in a beautiful way. And I want the same thing for our community. Because I see we, are, we, have, a, we have an older, older physical facility that we're looking at. And I have a vision of possibility, but once again, if I continue to stand here and hold it myself without anyone supporting it, and I'm not saying people don't, because we're identifying it, and, and once we have it, we're clear about what it looks like, I know that people will step up. But it's, but it's exhausting from the consciousness that I've been standing in. You know, I, was, I came in today and the, the screen wasn't working. And I've been saying for a couple years now, we're ready. This, this uh, projector is about ready. It's rich just shelf life. And then we get on to other things. Well, there's no projector today. Do we need a projector to do this? No. We don't need a building to do this. We don't need a labyrinth on the floor to do this. We could do this anywhere. We can go rent space somewhere. But I don't think it stands. To me, it doesn't reflect doing well. And so, so desire, so I'm talking to you about this from the, the, the evolution of my own consciousness, from desire in kingdom one, victim consciousness to kingdom two, which is the highest point in self-actualization. He continues, Lloyd, Dr. Lloyd continues, a goal is simply an idea in our head that provokes a desire in our belly that motivates us into action in order to actualize or make real our goal. This is why in our modern culture so much emphasis is placed on finding your passion in life. Because that's all about desire. 
But see, that's not the end. That's not the end result. He said passion comes from Latin, and it means to suffer. So our desire, our passions is what we suffer without and greatly desire. What we want, the passions in life are which creates the suffering. So the Buddha taught us, the Buddhist taught desire is the cause of suffering. In other words, we suffer when we don't have what we want, and then we, we get what we want, we continue to suffer over the fear of losing it. Isn't that, have you ever had that experience? I mean, I got the, I was doing this all day with the furnace. Oh, good, I got the furnace working. I hope it keeps working. And so what I did is I would squeal, I'd do my little girl squeal, and I'd run in place, and that helped a lot. That's a good spiritual practice to have. That's desire. Thank you, furnace. Ah, keep working, keep working, please, please, please. I'll go back to the Catholic Church as long as it keeps working. Well, it is a Catholic Church. I'm there. Here we go. So we suffer when we don't have what we want, and then, we get, and then when we get what we want, we continue to suffer with the fear of losing it. The Buddha said in the... Uh, um, Dhammapada, that's the word I was trying to think of before. The Dhammapada, he said, those who live according to their likes and dislikes live in chains. Don't you love that? Those that live according to their likes and dislikes live in chains. Likes and dislikes are simply what we desire to either get or to get rid of. Ernest Holmes once said the biggest problem with he saw in religious science is that too many people were merely affirming what they liked and denying what they didn't like. I can relate to that. Oh, I'm affirming this. And I don't want that. So in order, this is really key. This is Dr. Lloyd Strom. I continue. In order for us to evolve spiritually and move into kingdom three, we must move beyond the desire to possess. Move beyond the desire to possess and become inspired to express. Inspired to express. The only reason that I want to have a screen up there and I want to be able to, we're holding back on getting our talks up on on uh, YouTube and on our own website because we don't have the finances. It's another issue. We've got, we got costs involved with it. We're not doing it right now, and, it, and it's okay. If we never do it, it'll be okay. But for me, when we live an inspired life and we have a powerful message that can inspire other people, and, we can, we, and we're not able to share that, that's not prosperity. That's not doing well. When we have our screen up that's not working anymore, it's not, we're not doing well. And we're teaching this as, oh, well, we, we believe in the unbounded possibilities and the, and the power of consciousness to express itself in the world. But we're not doing well. What I know what happened in Abhijande is I'm, I'm, I'm there with perfect strangers. We're not, the only, we're not the only way. We're one way. We're not the only answer to spirituality. We're one way to spirituality. But let's do it the best way we can. And, and when I watch people like John Kennedy stand up and speak so eloquently about possibility, about it's not about the, the, the future being enforced upon us, but creating the future. And, and, you know, I've been here 11 years now, and, I, and to be part of this discussion, I'm so grateful for all of it. But, uh, you know, I came back. I've had people, after, I've had person after person after person come to me and, and, and make promises over the years. And then, and then those promises are not fulfilled. And, and in my position, I don't have, I don't have, it's, it's difficult to then have that discussion. In other words, people will say, I'll volunteer, I'll be there. And then they don't show up. And then if I get upset, like I did with the furnace, people, then it gives people reason to leave, or I'm, I'm the jerk. 
And so what I've learned over time is people say, I'm going to be there. You can count on me, man. I'm, I got your back. And then when they don't show up, I just, I get to do my forgiveness work. So next time I see them, I can have a new conversation. Because it, it, I, what I know is it doesn't add value. So that's been part of my learning is that, you know, thank people for what they can give and how they show up. And if they don't show up, don't be disappointed. And so, so as, as we're doing this work and as I'm doing the, uh, um, um, I came back and Laura said, you got to see what's happening. What's happened here? And she takes me downstairs. If you haven't been in our Cosmic Kids room, somebody donated and installed a brand new carpet for our kids while it's gone. Yeah. You got to see it. It's just amazing, amazing stuff. And I thought, here we are. Maybe I'm looking in the wrong direction for the possibilities. You know, maybe, we're, maybe it's not going to come from within our community that to, to continue to move forward. But what I know is that we go out in the community and people see what we're standing for. They're inspired to say, we want you guys to have a crystal bed. We love what you're doing. Here's $2,000. They don't know us. Here, I come back and, and someone that is relatively new, I mean, within the last couple months, says, I bring my grandkids here and that carpet down there sucks. I don't want my grandkids on that carpet. There's beautiful carpet down there. And I'm thinking, wow, I'm looking over here. I'm pointing over here and it shows up over here. Shows you what I know, bless you. But it's, and so it's, to me, those are, those are indications of inspiration that we're moving forward and we're developing the consciousness and that we, but we carry it together. When we went as a group to Abhijani, we represented this community, which was such a lovely thing. And it represents healing at a deep level. It, it represents mystery. I also believe that it's possible for us to duplicate what they're doing down there. I have friends doing it right now. And we had enough people that went that support that idea as well. You can have it here. It's non-local. It's, it's the quantum field. But it's continuing to nurture that vision and that possibility. So in order for us to evolve spiritually and move into kingdom three, we must move beyond desire to possess and become inspired to express. In other words, our goals in life are dualistic because they live conjointly in our heads and bellies. Whereas our inspirations are in unitive in nature. See, the inspiration lives here and now because they live only in our hearts and the creative process of life starts in our hearts with good intentions. Furthermore, the fulfillment of our goal is always, the fulfillment of our goal is always in the future. Whereas our intentions are fully active in the present moment with every step we take towards their expression. You see what I'm saying? It's not something out there to get. It's not a desire and a goal. It's we live in the inspired moment. And inspiration is generated by gratitude. So it's a beautiful thing. We can do it anywhere we are. So find a handful of things that you're, you appreciate and work with them every day. Because it shifts you energetically and it doesn't matter what it is. Laura Gwen said to me when I was there, she said, and she shared with all of us, if you're struggling with love in your life, get a plant. Get a plant and, and take care of the plant. Give your love to something. See, life is about circulation. Life is about reciprocity. It's giving and receiving. Start with a plant if you don't, don't think you can handle a hamster or a hedgehog. I've killed a few pets in my life, not willingly, but you know, neglect and not loving them enough. So I've learned. Perhaps the most important distinction between desire and inspiration lies in the fact that every desire arises out of our hidden fears as the mechanism by which we deal with them. And hence, the five faces of desire are simply different ways in which we utilize desire to deal with hidden fears. This comes from the Buddha. 
Ultimately, the movement into Kingdom 3, which is what Abhijanya is, I've said it many times, it's it's an environment of Kingdom 3 consciousness, is a call for us to start living creatively. To live creatively. What's possible? What's longing to happen here? Maybe we're not supposed to have a screen. Maybe we're not supposed to broadcast our talks on the internet. I don't know. Seems like an inspiring idea for me, but maybe not. In other words, Steve Jobs. He says, Steve Jobs once said, the best way to predict the future is to create it. In other words, he didn't set a a goal to get an iPad. He was inspired to create one where none had existed before. In Kingdom 3, we are no longer attempting to achieve our human potential with desire. Instead, we become inspired to reveal our divine potential with all that God has promised us through sacred scripture. But you see, we've got to fulfill desire in kingdom one and two. We can't skip it. We need to become proficient at meeting our needs. It doesn't mean desire is bad. It's just that desire is not the end destination. So when I hear Kennedy speak, I mean, he was gifted with wealth, so he, he didn't have an economic driver. His dad said, no, you're de- you are destined for greatness. He groomed him in that environment along with his sons. And whether you agree with it or not, he created a space so that then they could find their own inspiration. Because the other thing he said is, you are here to be of service to your country and to make the world a better place. That was the message they all got. I watched a, a, a video of uh, Ethel Kennedy, her story. And she's got 11 kids. All of them are in public service. All of them were nurtured to be of service in the world because that the economic need and the desire was, was, was lifted from them. But then they were, they were charged with the responsibility of making a difference in the world. And so we have this beautiful, powerful teaching that says you can fulfill whatever desire you long for. And yet, and yet if we're not willing to do the work, if I'm not willing to do the work in my own consciousness to do my own house cleaning so I can make that more available and an opportunity for me, that's my fault, not anybody else's. And then I'm stuck with unfulfilled desires so I can never live from inspiration. Do you see how this works? It's a progression. It's a progression. As long as I stay angry, as long as I stay frustrated and pissed off and I agree with myself that I'll never get a break and I'll never get anywhere, I'm free to do that. That's my choice. Whoopee. I, 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 I set up a, I took almost 80 pictures with me. I got to tell you, that was a lot of pictures. And I did the best I could with them. And I got back and this lady came up to me and said how mad she was at me. Just pissed at you. I'm pissed at you. And I said, well, what happened? Tell me more about this. And she said, well, you never called me from Brazil. I said, wow. I'm, and I said to her, I tell you what, I'm, I, I apologize for creating that expectation. I didn't even know we had that agreement. And then, you know, and I said, and I support you in being pissed off at me. I'm, that's your experience. I can't fix that. But it was quite surprising. And I thought I was doing the best I could with all those pictures. I mean, and if you're there, you'll understand what happens. Uh, for those who were there, they know. But it, you know, and, and at, at, at one point, finally, well, Laura, Gwen, and, and Heather said to me, our leaders, you've got to stop this. I'm up in my room sorting pictures and people, I, I mean, and I set this up so poorly. I take responsibility. I needed people's date of birth, name, address, and prayer requests. 
And many did not have all the information. So I'm going through pictures and I'm trying to figure out what it is. And when I, oh, I don't have their address, I have their picture, I don't have their address. Or I don't have their prayer request. And they finally said to me, you've got to stop this. You've got to be in your own process. And I realized there's the same pattern that, that I do here. The furnace goes down, I'm on it. The, 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 the projector goes on, I'm on it, trying to figure out the cheapest way to do it. Because what I believe at the end of the day by that behavior is there's not enough. And, and, then this and then this teaching in this community is convenient, but it's not, it's not powerful enough and it's not inspiring enough in others' lives to, to step up in a way that says, let's fulfill our, our, our destiny with this. Let's do something amazing. We got this, I mean, we go out in the world with our teaching and our people, and people go, my God, what are you guys are doing? We need this in our community. Here's money for your crystal bed. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm so busy carrying it all myself. I went down there, both shoulders were so sore. For months, I've had to sleep with two pillows under my shoulders. And I said, I know that I brought these shoulders here because I'm carrying the load, and I don't want to carry it anymore. I can't. It's just ridiculous. It's my, own, it's my own healing. It's my desire for something different when I realize I get to put desire down and move into inspiration. And if I'm speaking from inspiration, living from inspiration, and not from lack and limitation or from not doing well, that's my opportunity. So I can only do my work. I can only move forward. So I share this with you because it's very, I'm excited about what's happening. I'm excited about what the awarenesses I brought back with me. I'm excited to know that as I shift and change in consciousness, as I continue to do my work, the right opportunities, the right, the right people, and the right situations will reveal themselves. Because right now, where I stand, they can't. Because I keep pushing them away. And I don't want to do that anymore. And I don't want you to do that anymore. So it's not a bad thing. It's not a horrible thing. It's just a thing. You know, if we weren't doing this, we'd be doing something else. Right? Exactly. So it's it was a beautiful, beautiful uh, journey. And such great clarity came from me. So the blessings for me were in the clarity. Were in the, in, the, in, the, in the inner work. See, I didn't have a surgery when I was down there. Not because I didn't I think I was ready for one. But they did all the work on me when I was sitting in the current. Because I think the, the learning I got from that is I need to be present with all of it. And when you have surgeries down there, the spiritual surgery, so much energy goes in, you're pretty much knocked out for about 24 hours. But I know what it was, was what they were saying to me is, you need to be present with all of this so you understand it, so you can put it down actively. You need to be present with all this. So it was a beautiful thing. So we have a wonderful opportunity to be together, to come together and celebrate this beautiful teaching, to make a difference in the world, to, to shift and fulfill our desires which are precious and necessary so that we may live from inspiration. So thank you. Blessings. And so it is.